Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Uh, Okay, so as Nicole mentioned, if you would uh, open up to Colossians chapter 4, that's where we are at today. We're wrapping up our series, King Forever, today, and uh, I do want to welcome everybody here to Lighthouse Community. So glad you are here. I want to welcome everybody at our online campus, uh, wherever you're at, maybe you're in Bluffton, Faustoria, uh, somewhere else. Thanks for joining us today, Um, but we are diving into uh, this passage, and we're, man, we're going to, Colossians, we're at the end of it, right? It's over. We'll never talk about Colossians again, right? We said everything to be said that can be said. Just kidding. Um, So I remember the very first time I ever served in ministry, right? So I was 16 years old, and I had just come to faith in Jesus Christ. And um, I didn't know a lot about who he was as far as, you know, a lot of doctrine and scripture. I just knew that I needed him, and he had transformed my life, and it seemed right to help other people uh, encounter that as well. So um, I had an opportunity to serve in ministry, and the very first uh, ministry role I ever was a part of was uh, serving pizza at Pizza Hut, right? So that was my, my very first ministry role. And some of you guys are going, wait a second, I've served pizza at Pizza Hut. That is not a ministry role, right? Um, but uh, so this actually was, and here's why. There, uh, the youth group at my church was uh, going to on a missions trip to South America. And so this was like one of the last uh, fundraisers they were doing to help the kids uh, earn money to, to be able to get down there and share the gospel in South America. And so um, they'd been planning this trip for an entire year. And, you know, I had just come to faith and started, you know, being a part of the church. So I couldn't go on the trip with them to South America, but what I could do was I could actually help them raise the funds to be able to go. And so that's what I did. I showed up and, and worked with, with all the kids who were going to be going on the trip. And, you know, I was there that night at Pizza Hut getting orders wrong, spilling drinks on people, all of those things, because that's what you do uh, when you've never served before and you're 16 years old. And um, so we did that. And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't go on that trip with them, but that didn't mean I couldn't be a part of the trip in helping them and helping to advance the gospel uh, in South America. And so that was literally the very first time I had ever served other people um, in a way to move the gospel forward. And, and whenever I think about serving in ministry, um, and maybe when you think about serving in ministry, there's all kinds of questions that start kind of coming up in your mind and in your head. And I think one of the biggest ones that comes to the forefront for for me, and maybe for you too, there's a question that gets begged, and it's this. What kind of people does God use for serving in ministry, right? Like, what kind of people does God use serving in ministry? And, And so there may be a good chance that you've got like, you know, you start thinking about, well, what is the kind of person that God uses to serve in ministry? And you kind of start developing your checklist. And it's, you go down your checklist and it's things like, well, you know, they're probably smart, but not too smart. Uh, you know, they're, uh, they're very purpose-driven, but they're not overly aggressive. Uh, they're probably, you know, attractively attractive, but not so much because then that would lead to lust. Um, you know, they're, uh, they've got strong leadership skills, but they're not bossy. They, they read the Bible, they pray, they know what kind of counsel to give in every moment. You know, they're just really helpful to everybody. And, and so you start going over your checklist, right? And as you're going down this list, 
you realize something. This isn't me. I don't fit this list. I don't fit this description of people who God uses in ministry. I don't, I don't qualify. And so I think what happens is this. We, we make the assumption that serving in ministry is for other people, but it's not for me. It's for these other people who fit that checklist, but I don't fit that checklist, and God wouldn't use me. And so what ends up happening is you miss out on the profoundly remarkable ways that God could use your life for the kingdom and in the lives of other people, right? And so what kinds of people does God use in ministry? And that's what this passage kind of exposes as we dive into this last passage here. Now, here's a cool thing. We're wrapping up this series. If you have been here for this series or, you know, uh, maybe you caught it online or or whatnot, uh, you have either read or listened to the entire book of Colossians uh, over the last few weeks. And so that's a pretty cool thing, you know, like end to end, you've worked through that letter. Now, uh, we're going to read chapter 4, starting in verse 7. And before I read, I'm just going to ask everybody here in the house and online to pray for me, because I'm going to try to accurately pronounce these names. Uh, If you hear me struggling, just say, help him, Lord. And uh, that should uh, get her going. Okay, let's start here with verse 7, chapter 4 of Colossians. Uh, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimos, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchos, my fellow prisoner, greets you and... Mark, I know I got that one right, Uh, the cousin of Barnabas, uh, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Aeropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord." I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And that is the letter to the Colossians. And so Paul has written this really thoughtful letter to a group of new believers that he never met before as a group who live in a city that actually he himself never visited, as far as we know, in his lifetime. And yet, the letter to the Colossians speaks with amazing clarity on so many different topics that those new believers would have dealt with, and things that you and I deal with all of the time, right? So topics like this, prayer. What does is, what is spiritual growth look like? The nature of who Christ is. Um, the crazy substitute that's religion, 
right? Um, Genuine biblical grace. He talks about a faith that transforms our lives, and it actually begins to affect uh, relationships in our home. It affects relationships outside of our home. He talks about sharing the gospel and how God uses prayer and how he uses our lives in connection with all of that. And so when you read this letter to the Colossians, and then you get to the passages that we just read, it's really tempting to go, oh, well, what Paul is doing here at the end of the letter is he's kind of giving a peace out. Here's some of my homies. Uh, You know, I just want to give some shout outs at the end of the album. And, but that's not really what's happening here, right? There's more than that. I think what Paul is doing here is actually really, really thoughtful. Because what he's doing, remember, this is a whole new group of believers living in a city. They're discovering who Christ is. They're discovering gospel. They're discovering what it is to follow him. And what Paul is doing with these Colossian disciples is he's describing, he's exposing what ministry looks like what biblical ministry looks like. And you know what Paul is saying? He's saying this, ministry is a team sport, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying ministry, by nature, ministry, gospel ministry is a team sport. That in real, legitimate gospel ministry, God uses all kinds of people in sharing the gospel and making disciples. And so what Paul does is he kind of identifies a few of the people that God was using in this team. Now, these are just a few, and he's just kind of identifying them, right? So I just want to share a little bit about the lives of these people really quick to kind of expose what's going on here. So you got Tychicus. He's a, he's a guy who became a believer in Ephesus, and then he joined up with Paul's ministry team uh, later and travels around with him. You can find out more about him in Acts chapter 20. Then you got this guy named Onesimus. Uh, he was a bond servant living in Colossae. Something happened. He runs away, and he runs to Rome. Well, guess who he runs into while he's in Rome? Paul. And Paul shares the gospel with him. Onesimus becomes a disciple. Uh, You can find out more about his story in the letter uh, called Philemon. Uh, That's at the end of the New Testament. Um, Then you've got this guy named uh, Aristarchos. Uh, He joins up with Paul sometime while Paul's traveling in Macedonia. This guy's actually from uh, Thessalonica. It's a whole other city. Partners up with Paul. They go traveling. Acts 19 talks about some of his background. Then you got this guy named Mark, who was Barnabas' cousin. You hear about him early in Acts. Um, But what's interesting about Mark is here you've got a guy who joined Paul and Barnabas on this missions trip, and then Mark bails at some point in the trip and just leaves him high and dry. And then there actually becomes this disagreement and argument between Paul and Barnabas, and like they kind of split ways as a result of that. So Mark's got uh, you know this background going on there, but now he's back in ministry, right? Now he's included in what's going on. Then you got this guy named Jesus. And then Paul's like, it's justice, right? It's like, not, it's not the Jesus we always talk about. It's another Jesus. So, um, you know, actually, there were probably a lot of people whose name was Jesus during that time. So, I mean, it's probably like for us, like Matt. You know, it's like you got all, you got all these, like, Jesuses running around, and so you got to be clear. It's like, not Christ, justice, <laughs> you know? Um, so uh, all we really know about him is that he was probably Jesus, or excuse me, <laughs> that he was probably Jewish. <laughs> he was not Jesus, uh, but he was Jesus, but he wasn't. Uh, but anyways, so um, he was Jewish, but we don't know a lot more about him other than that. Then you got this guy named Epaphras, and um, he's the guy that uh, you remember, we talked about him at the beginning of the series. God used him 
He came to faith in Ephesus, travels back home to his hometown of Colossae, shares the gospel. God launches a church through his ministry. Then you've got a guy named Luke. He's a doctor, right? He's he's a Greek guy, doctor, travels with Paul. Uh, Demas was there too. Um, That's kind of an interesting story. Demas later on uh, actually kind of bails on Paul, bails out on ministry completely. Um, Paul's kind of hurt by that. And then here he mentions some other churches and disciples in Laodicea. Interopolis, right? These are nearby cities. They're all kind of like in this three to eight mile radius, um, and they're all kind of working together. They're disciples, churches, meeting in their cities, trying to share the gospel. Reminds me a lot, actually, of our, our family of churches, right? So you got here on the west side, you got Lighthouse Community. On the east side, you got Living Hope down in Bluffton. You know, you got Bluffton Community, and we're just kind of partnering together to share the gospel in the region. Very similar to that. And then there's uh, Nympha. She's a woman who led a church uh, in her house, and uh, so she's guiding that. And then finally, you've got this guy named uh, Archippus, and uh, Paul gives some instruction to him. But I wanted to walk through that for a second, because I think it's easy for us to read these names in the scriptures and go, yeah, I don't, these are just names. I don't know anything about them. But you have to know, it's like, these are people. These are like real people, real people who really live, real people who really navigated different situations and seasons in life, and they're going through things. And every one of these names is a story, right, of how God is connected and God is changing and God is working, and they're all a part of the ministry team. And it's such a unique group. You got some that are Jews. You got some that are Gentiles. You got some who are prisoners at the time, some people who are freemen, they can do whatever they want. You've got men you got women, uh, there's, uh, there's, uh, bond, you got bond servants, right? There's even people who have very significant failures in their background. Right? you got this really wide, diverse group of people. Do you begin to see that there is no one kind of person that God uses in ministry in the kingdom? Do you see that? That's, that seems so overwhelmingly clear to me when I'm looking through here and all. But what God uses, God uses all kinds of people in the kingdom with all kinds of backgrounds, with all kinds of backstories, with all kinds of histories and experiences. And so not only does God use all kinds of people, but then also he uses us in all kinds of different ways, right? You have all these people who are engaging in different ministries and different ministry roles. So again, just looking, look at this group of people. You've got some people who are letter carriers. Their job is, is to literally transport these letters from Rome to Colossae, to Laodicea, to Ephesus, right? Those kinds of stuff. Some people are news bearers. And so they're here, to, they're giving each other updates in the region of what's going on around in the other churches and how the Holy Spirit is moving. Paul refers to some of these people as fellow workers. And what they're doing is they're actually providing Paul um, and some others comfort and encouragement while they're in prison. That's their ministry right now, right? They're encouraging and comforting. Then you got this, name, this guy named Epaphras, right? He's like this prayer warrior, doubling down, praying for people, praying for situations, praying that, you know, God would break through and do amazing and incredible things. And then this guy named Mark. You're like, who's Mark? Well, I guarantee you, if you've read the gospel of Mark, you've read his writings. Think about that. God used Mark to write a gospel, Remember Luke the doctor? If you've read the Gospel of Luke, you've read his writing and how God used him to write the Gospel of Luke. Also the book of Acts. 
Right? So you've got, you got these guys that God is using remarkably. Then you have Nympha. She's providing leadership to a church that's meeting in her house. And then you've got some people uh, like Archippus. And, and Paul, I think he's just stepping into ministry for the first time. And Paul's like, come on. You, like, you got, you, God's calling you to this. You don't step into it. The ministry that God's prepared for you, right? And so you've got all these different people with all these different backgrounds who God used in different ministry roles. Why? Why is Paul exposing this so clearly? And I think one of the biggest pieces is this, is Paul is showing us, right, the Colossian disciples, but he's showing us too, that this is actually how God designed his church. God's church is intentionally designed this way. Unique people, unique gifts, right? Different ministry roles being played out. Um, actually, in Romans chapter 12, verses 4, 5, and 6, Paul actually highlights the diversity of the church while at the same time exposing the unity. Look at this in Romans 12, verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Right? So you got all of these unique gifts, all these unique members. Let's use them in ministry, and yet there's a unity there. Paul does the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He exposes the uniqueness and the diversity. So actually, let's do this. Let's read this passage, um, starting with, Now there are varieties uh, out loud together. Are you ready? Go. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You see that? You had all this uniqueness in service and gifts and ministries, but the same Spirit, but the same Lord, but the same God who's empowering them all. And so lots of people, lots of backgrounds, lots of roles, lots of spiritual gifts, and yet overwhelmingly there's unity around this. Why? Because there's one mission and there's one God. Notice that, right, you, you have one God and yet even God is three people working in partnership, teaming together, there's some things the Father does, there's some things the Son does, there's some things the Holy Spirit does, and yet He's one God, right? You see, how, you see how God's own nature and characteristic plays out in the body of the church? Unique, diverse members of the body, but all united around one mission, and that mission is telling others about the rescue through Jesus Christ. Why? Why would we, why would we all together share the rescue that comes through Jesus Christ, Right? Well, one, it's what we're all created for, right? We're all created to know God. We're all created to be in relationship with him, and Jesus solves our broken relationship. And so that's one reason, right? And then the other reason is this, is when you yourself have experienced the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, because you know what it's like to be stuck in slavery and sin. You know what it's like to be in bondage to death. And then when you're set free from that, like when you're genuinely set free and you know Jesus and you know who God is and the Holy Spirit's like living inside of you, the natural outflow is like, 
just to tell other people about what Jesus has done in you and invite them to the same thing, right? Like that, that's just the way it works. It just bubbles out. There's like all of this great, wonderful things that God is doing in our lives, and we want to tell other people about him. And it, there's a really important distinguish, uh, distinguishing mark that I think we need to make here, and it's this, because I think sometimes people get confused. We, we don't do good deeds, and we don't tell other people about Jesus in order to be saved. Okay, that's a really important thing. To, to make note of, all right? I want you to catch that. We don't do good deeds and we don't tell other people about Jesus in order to be saved. Rather, we do good deeds and we tell other people about Jesus Christ because we've been saved, because we've been given new life. And I know that sounds a little bit like semantics. We're just changing a word. But do you see how those two concepts are literally light years away from one another? One is done in the hopes that maybe I'll be good enough and prove to God that I'm really committed and deserve and worthy what he's done. The other one says, I've been given a gift, and why wouldn't I give that away to other people too? That's what Paul's exposing here, and we do this together as a team. And he's got this really, it's kind of interesting. You got this, Paul has this eclectic band of like gospel carriers. They're so, like you wouldn't get them together under the same roof any other time, but yet when they're united in Jesus and the same Holy Spirit's living on all of them, it's like this family and they deeply love one another and care for each other. And so what Paul's exposing here is just simply this, right? Ministry is a team sport. We do this thing together. It's the way God's designed his church He's designed it in a way that every single born-again believer has a place to serve and actually has a gift to be able to use in the kingdom. And, and that biblical principle is so important. And we've like caught that so overwhelmingly clearly at Lighthouse Community. Um, we've identified that as one of our core values here, right? Which is simply this. We say it this way. We serve and lead as a team. That's what we do. Like everything here is just centered around teams. There's no like one, one guy uh, who is driving this thing by themselves. It's like the team doing things together. Because when, when you read the Bible, right, you just see that the default position of ministry, it's team. It's together. It's like this family who's been uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit, and we're all serving together. And he gave us those gifts so that we would use them. And so literally, there is room. There is literal room for every single believer on the team in ministry. And yet, right, at the same time, we'll actually exclude ourselves from ministry. We'll keep ourselves out of serving and being used by God. Because, right, it goes back to the beginning. We assume ministry is for other people, but it's not for us. It's for other people who have it all together. But I don't, so it's not for me right? Ministries for other people. And so when we start having conversations like this on Sunday morning or the invitation to serve comes around, uh, as we're hearing that, all we see are barriers, right? The barriers start coming up and we start going, well, this is why I couldn't do that. This is why I couldn't serve, right? Barriers like this. Um, I don't have the time to serve. I'm really busy. Barriers like, well, that team looks like they have everybody they need and they don't need anybody else. They definitely don't need me. Uh, uh, ministry barriers like this, uh, I'm too young to serve. Or the other side, I'm too old to serve. Um, others might say, well, I don't really know what my gifts are, so I should probably wait until I do. Um, some would see the barrier of I'm too new in my faith and I just don't know enough. Right? I should know more things. 
Um, other, other people would say this, I'm just unreliable, okay? Like, I'm just going to be straight up. I know who I am. I'm unreliable. That's why I can't be in ministry. Um, others might say, listen, you don't know my background. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've been. Um, I couldn't. And, and just being transparent, transparent for a moment, um, some of these are barriers that I've wrestled with, right, even in my own life. And so there's, there's always barriers when we start talking about serving in ministry. Can I let you in on a little insight? There will always be barriers every time you start thinking about serving. Every time you start thinking about serving or discovering or using your gifts in ministry, barriers will come up. Do you want to know why? It's called spiritual battle. <laughs> that is a big piece of it. Because when you and I start thinking about serving, when you and I start thinking about being a part of the kingdom, when you and I start thinking about ways to share the gospel, to discover and use our gifts, there is someone, right, who does not want you to do that. Like Satan wants to keep you out of the game. If he can keep you ignorant of your gifts, if he can keep you ignorant of who you are in Christ, if you can keep you ignorant of what God could do through you, what he will do in you and through you when you start serving in ministry, then you never really fully realize who God is and who he is in you. And then what ends up happening as kind of a, a result out of that is if Satan can keep you out of serving in ministry, then the church is never really at full capacity, right? And so you've got people who are serving in different ministry roles, and what they're thinking about is they're thinking about the gaps, right? And missing out on what you bring to the table within ministry. But there's always going to be a reason not to serve, right? Because when we engage in ministry, we're talking about pushing back against the darkness. We're talking about bringing light. We're talking about being clear with the gospel. But let me say this, just on a practical side, just kind of to address some of these barriers, um, there are ministry roles for all kinds of people, even people who are busy, right? Like just for a second, think about this, like who in here is not busy? Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, anybody brave enough to raise their hand? Um, but yeah, so I mean, there, there just are. And so, you know, there's, there's ministry roles for that. Um, literally every single team at Lighthouse Community, there is room for new people to join. We have designed our teams to be that way, that no team is actually ever full, no matter how many are on there. Um, we have, uh, if you were here this, uh, this morning, you might have actually been welcomed. It, well, it was actually, it was during the 909. Um, we had uh, a little guy, I think he might have been three. He was at the front door greeting people, like literally like the most aggressive high five you ever had in your life, right? I'm like, I had to rub my hand on my pants. I was like, man, that one hurt. Um, but yeah, so I mean like, you know, young, young people. Um, and then, I mean, we also in summer ministry, we have retired people who there are days like it just hurts them to move. And yet they want to give and be a part of ministry to serve in different capacities, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, you wonder like, well, I don't really know what my spiritual gifts are. I need to discover those before I start serving. So you might be asking, like, what's the best way for me to discover my spiritual gifts? And some of you guys are going, well, get online and do a spiritual gifts assessment. You know, it's like, yeah, that's what Peter did, right? He's like, you know, <laughs> Googled it and uh, got on there. No, right? Like, no, how, do you, how do you discover your gifts in ministry? You just start serving. You just start serving, and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal them to you. And what's amazing is this. You'll start serving, and what almost comes across to you like breathing, other people are going, how do you do that? That's, I, I can't do that the way that you... And you're just like, what do you mean? I'm just, I'm just doing this thing. And to you, it's normal. 
And it just like naturally comes out of you. That's because the Holy Spirit has gifted you remarkably in that way. Um, some of you guys are going, well, I, I don't know enough. I need to grow more. Do you know some of the, like one of the primary ways that God grows us spiritually? When we start serving. Yeah, we put ourselves in the position of a servant and we humble ourselves before others and we begin to serve the people around us. God grows us. And so every, listen, I want you to catch this just for a second. Every single one of us, myself included, all have a reason why we should be excluded from being a part of ministry. Every single one of us. But you have to understand this. You never received an invitation to serve in ministry because of who you were. You received an invitation into ministry because of who Christ is in you. (laughs) Right? Do you see that? Do you see? And so why do we exclude ourselves from something that Christ has already included us in? There's room for you on the team. And I do want to just take a quick moment. I just want to say thank you to the over 130 people, like unique people who are serving in ministry at Lighthouse Community, like just across a given month. It's absolutely phenomenal to me. It's like 55% of, uh, of our church family is engaged in serving in ministry at some capacity. By the way, that's not normal right? Like at all. And I praise God for a church that's not normal. Uh, you know, like that's amazing. And I just want to say thank you to, to those of you, like thank you for showing up early and thank you for staying late and thank you for like loving on kids as they're like, ah, you know, like going crazy uh, sometimes in the other rooms. Uh, thank you for being available for students and like talking with them and listening to them. Thank you for showing up at hospitals Thank you for showing up to people's homes with food and with blessing and with encouragement, right? Like, thank you for welcoming guests. Thank you for praying with people. You know, like, our online campus is, like, volunteer-driven. The reason that that even exists is our volunteer team, like, created and put that thing together, right? Like, that wouldn't even be a ministry platform we would have if not for that team. Thank you for folding bulletins. Thank you for doing tasks that some people have no clue even happen in a given week or a given day, right? Absolutely amazing. And let me, let me encourage you with this, because sometimes when you're like doing the tasks of ministry, you can get really focused on like doing the task of ministry. Let me encourage you with this reminder, like every time you're serving, every time you're using your gifts, every time you're a part of that, when you, see, when you hear about somebody who says yes to Jesus Christ for the first time, you were a part of that. When, when you see somebody come up here and take the step of baptism and the whole church celebrating and cheering with cowbells even, right? Like when that happens, you were a part of that. When somebody says, I, I think I could maybe be a small group co-leader and try it this, this semester, you were a part of that. When a group of people starts asking a question, could, could God maybe launch a New Testament church in our city? You were a part of that. Right? Every time we're serving and we're using our gifts, we're a part of that ministry because there's so many members, but there's one body. Right? There's one mission. There's one goal. And God uses us together. Do, do you see how the biblical model of ministry pushes back against the idea of it's all on me and it's all about the individual? That, that chafes against our culture. Like, if we can just be straight up about that for a second. We, our culture loves the idea of the single 
amazing superhero, right? Like by themselves, they pull it off. And it's like football season right now, and uh, I don't know if you watch like any commentary on sports or whatever, but uh, if I'm at the gym, I might watch or listen a little bit. And so what I hear, at least uh, preseason, what I heard a lot of was, you know, commentators talking about how many championships Tom Brady has won in his career, right? And every time I hear that, there's different reasons it bothers me. But, uh, <laughs> but one, one of the reasons that it bothers me is it's like, okay, yeah, Tom Brady was a quarterback during those times. And yet there's like literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that were surrounding that effort. And it wasn't just Tom Brady who won championships. There's like this offensive line, there's like this coaching staff, there's like the front office, there's like these vendors, there's like people like all this kind of stuff that actually had a role in that thing. And it's not just that one guy, but it was us together. And so this whole idea of biblical ministry where we do this thing together, it pushes back so hard against me and it invites us into we, right? Like we in Christ, as opposed to me by myself, I did this. Like, no, we did this together. Like God did this in us and through us together. And, and I would just say this, right? Um, it appears that God is opening up the door for Lighthouse Community to take next steps in Hancock County by moving to another location uh, about just a couple miles north on 99. It appears that God is leading uh, that we you know, are likely to have a, a new location and a new building in the future that has a different layout, uh, might be larger, all that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you this, even if God does allow that to happen, more than ever, we are committed to this idea of serving and leading together as a team. We do this thing together. Like we're a family that God has gifted uniquely, and it literally takes all of us together, praying together, working together, serving together, blessing our, our county, one another, right? Being present in each other's lives. And there's no way we're moving away from that at all, and the gospel being central to who we are. Because ministry, right, it's a team sport. It's so overwhelmingly clear here in the scriptures. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to just throw out two ideas um, that you might take as next steps. So here's the first idea. This is if you're like, uh, you've never stepped into a ministry team, or maybe you've like disengaged. You were like on a team and then you disengaged. You just haven't been a part of one uh, since then. Here's the next step I would invite you to do. It's this. Uh, join a ministry team. Right? It's that simple. Just join a team. And so actually, uh, Allie had mentioned the blue connection card in your bulletin. Actually, if everybody would grab that and pull that out, if you flip over and you look to the back, there's a next step back there that says, um, I want to join a ministry team. And what you can do is just literally check that box, make sure your info's on the front of that thing. And if you'll do that, let me tell you first what's not going to happen. Okay, here's what's not going to happen. You're not going to be hounded and guilted into joining a ministry that is not the right fit for you. Okay, that's not going to happen. You're also not making a commitment to a ministry team uh, until you die or Jesus comes back, whichever happens first, right? Like, that's not what we're talking about here. Let me tell you what will happen. One of our ministry leaders is going to reach out to you, and they're going to ask you, hey, did you have an idea in mind of how you'd like to serve? And then you can share your idea then. But some of you guys are going, well, I don't really know. And so that ministry leader is going to say, well, here's a couple ideas that may be a fit for you. Would you like to try one out one time? And then you can say yes or no or whatever. And then if you say yes, we're going to help you be prepared to serve for the very first time. And after your first serving experience, your ministry team leader is going to come to you and ask you how to go. And you'll be able to say, it was great. I loved it. Or this is not for me. 
you know, and both of those things are okay. And what they're going to ask you is this, would you like to try it a second time? And you might say, yeah, I guess I would, and just see if another opportunity is better. Or they might say, would you like to try a different ministry team? And they'll help you make that um, a reality as well. And that's about it. It's really, really easy to join a team at Lighthouse Community. And here's another thing. It's also really common for people to start on one ministry team and then over time actually make it to another one, right? There's no like grabbing or like, that's my volunteer, you can have them, right? It's like, no, like if God's moving your passions and opening doors, dude, we're going to help you do that. Uh, Some people will start with one team, they'll try another, they'll move to another. Here's another thing. It's actually common at times because life situations change and you'll actually have people take like short breaks out of ministry because they're just like, man, I'm in a really different season than I was before and I think I need to take a break. And it's like, yeah, that's okay. So the way language we like to use around here is we have really easy on-ramps into ministry. We also have really easy off-ramps out of ministry, like with no guilt and nothing along those lines, right? Because we just really want to help you discover and use your gifts in ministry and to be a part of the team. And so let me just encourage you, if you're thinking about it, man, just give it a shot. It's literally a no-pressure type deal. We just want to help you get plugged in in the way best for you. So that's one next step. Here's another one I'll throw out to you. Uh, The first one is people who aren't on a team. This one is more for people who are already um, on a ministry team. We talked about some barriers that people typically have Uh, when it comes to joining or serving on a ministry team, here's one of the most common ones. You you hear it a lot when people say, well, I didn't join a team. You ask, why not? And they'll say, well, no one ever invited me, right? No one just, no one ever asked me. And so here's an idea if you're already on a ministry team. The next time you're scheduled to serve, literally just invite your friend to come and serve with you, right? It's like, hey, I'm going, Sunday, I'm going to be making coffee in the kitchen. Will you come? Most times they're going to be, yeah, what time? When do I need to be there? And they're going to come, and they're going to make coffee with you. Or it's like the next time you run in the camera, you're like, hey, uh, will you come and help me run the camera? And they'll likely come and do that. Or maybe you're working with, like, kids, and you say, hey, I'm working with kids this weekend. You should come and try. And so you can invite them to join you. After you've put a background check in their hand, and they've completed it thoroughly, and we've turned it in, and we've received that back clearly on the back end, and all is clear, and then we'll bring you in, and you can try it out. Right? It's that simple. <laughs> We're very clear about who gets in with our kids, all right? <laughs> Not just anybody. So, um, yeah, there's all kinds of different ways uh, to do that. But listen, do you know this whole idea of inviting people into ministry? Do you know what the Bible calls that? Discipleship. That's literally what it is. You're just inviting. You're inviting, hey, you want to read the Bible together and talk about it? That's discipleship. You want to serve together in a ministry? That's discipleship. You want to get together and like pray and, and see what God might be doing in our life? That's discipleship. So who are you inviting? Who could you invite to join with you next time around? So I want to come back, and we're going to end here. Um, I want to go back to the question we asked at the beginning, and it's this. What kind of people does God use in ministry? I think that's a very important question to deal with. So Jesus had 12 disciples, right, in his earthly ministry. And one of those disciples, his name was Peter. One day, oh, you might know where this is going. (laughs) Uh, One day, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's telling them, listen, soon, I'm, I'm going to be arrested, and all of you are going to abandon me. You're, every one of you are going to run away, and you're going to desert me. And Peter, right, like Peter, like, gets up, and he stands up, and he's like, Jesus, even if all these other people run away from you, if they abandon you, I never will leave, 
right? <laughs> and Jesus is like, yeah, and Jesus is like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so literally, do you know what happens? Literally within a few hours, Jesus is arrested. Everybody bails. Even this guy, right? They all run. And then Peter goes another step further. He actually denies even knowing who Jesus is at all, three times. And then after the rooster crows in that moment, like he realizes what he's done. And he, and he runs, right? He like leaves that place in that moment just broken, so, broken sobbing from what just happened and has taken place. And so Jesus is killed, and Peter goes back to his old life of fishing. And so one day, while Peter's fishing and is on the boat, he hears and sees somebody calling for them on the shore. And Peter, like, looks over there, and he's like, it's the resurrected Jesus. You know what he does? He literally jumps out of the boat, and he swims, right, to Jesus to get to him on the shore. He gets on the shore with him, and Jesus asks him a question, the same question three times. You know what the question is? Do you love me? And every time Peter responds, you know I do. You know I love you. You know that I love you, Lord. Jesus gives him some commands in the process of that. And after Jesus asks him the third time, Peter hears again the very first words he ever heard Jesus say to him recorded in the scriptures. You know what they were? Follow me. Jesus invites him. Says, I know you blew it. I know you, you committed one of the most heinous sins you ever could against a rabbi and against God. But follow me. Be my disciple. Go where I lead. I'm going to use you. And then when you read through the book of Acts, you see that God actually uses Peter to share the gospel with thousands. And they come to faith and they get baptized. You see Peter, God using him to open new doors of ministry. It's just absolutely incredible. You see Peter giving leadership to the church uh, during this season. God used Peter to write scripture. So like what kinds of people does God use in ministry? He uses redeemed people who just put their trust in him. Like, that's it, right? And so ministry is a team sport that we do together. And God wants you to discover and use your gifts. And I, I have to say this before we close. Many of us are stiff-arming and excluding ourselves from ministry because of our history, because of our background, because of whatever. But you have to know, you were never invited into ministry in the first place because of who you were. You're invited into ministry because of who Christ is in you. So like, join the team. You're already on. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We ask this question every weekend at Lighthouse Community, and it's simply this. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I want to give you a moment to listen to him.
God, I thank you so much that you have literally made the way for us to be used by your spirit. And one of the things that brings overwhelming unity is that your spirit lives within every single born-again believer. And so you draw your people together because of that. And I thank you that it's that same spirit who equips us and empowers us with gifts that are beyond our own capacity. And I want to pray for some of my brothers and sisters who have whatever the reason is, and they've said, ministries for other people, but it's not for me. I pray that they would hear you speaking to them and calling their name. They know I've called you too. I've gifted you for the purpose of using your gifts to serve others. I've gifted you with the ability to share the gospel. I've gifted you with the purpose that you would serve people around you. I pray that we would hear your voice and we would say yes to what you're inviting us into. been a part of Lighthouse, you know that we believe deeply in prayer. And so we want to pray for you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing another song. And so during that time, I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to receive prayers, to just get up out of your seat. Um, And we have prayer leaders who are in different places, every corner of the room, literally. Um, And you can just go and you can share your prayer requests with them and they'll pray with you about any area of your life. Something could be something we talked about this morning, could be something else that's going on in your life. And let me say this, don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. Every single one of us needs prayer. I need prayer, all right? I'm up here most Sundays just asking people to pray for me. And so if you'd like to receive prayer during this last song, I'm going to invite you to come forward and and we're going to be ready to pray with you. But let me pray for you first and then I want to invite you to come. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.